Flipping it up and out. Bogut! Ariza blocked by Bogut! Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get rogue. Welcome to Rogue Bogues. Thanks for joining us again for another week of basketball discussion. Myself and Pro, what is news over there? Bogues, what's going on, brother? I'm in Chicago uh, doing a clinic tomorrow, so that's why we had to do the uh, ask you to do the the show a day earlier. But uh, yeah, just enjoying life, man. Just this crazy NBA. I'm glad that the Lakers really isn't something like like the head news this week although the 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 news this week is pretty fucking grim for some nba people but uh, i'm just glad that it's not all laker all the time because they're getting fucking tired of fucking hearing it and talking about it well guess what they're going to be in one of my uh team of the weeks you can guess which one but we'll get to that in a second <laughs> but uh yeah a lot of a lot of off-court nonsense a lot of a lot of uh releases from the nba um in general nba and bpa stuff there's a lot of different stuff in there this week um, there's obviously your days of our lives type dramas. So, without further ado, let's get into it. We're back to, with our tweet of the uh, sorry, our team of the weeks. Um, for those that are new to the podcast, Pro and I will do our team of the week. So our best performing team. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always a team that's gone five and zero, four and zero in a week, or three and zero. It can be sometimes a team that's maybe an OKC that went three and one that weren't expected to. And then we also do a team of the week, week spelt W-E-A-K, a shitty team of the week. So we do those um, every week and love to hear your feedback. And I know we had it, we've got a Boston fan that was grilling us every week because they were never <laughs> in the team of the week last season. So we, we appreciate that feedback. So feel free to give it to us online. But I'll start with my team of the week, my good team. I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers, Pro. Ah, um, okay. They're five, five, five and one. Mm-hmm. And credit where it's due. I, I thought they might let one slip last night against the Houston Rockets. Dame Lillard is out for a week or two. And, you know, when you lose that superstar, that first game with with losing a 30-point score, there's a bit of an adjustment. There's, there's who's going to be now that number two guy to Simons where Simons goes to one. Um, and, man, they they played a hell of a game. They, the, Houston really – it wasn't a blowout, but I felt like they were never really in that game. I thought Houston would have a chance to steal it. And they're very well coached. They play hard together. They, they seem like they like each other, which is important in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I think we both had Portland sneaking into a nine or a ten, mm-hmm. so we had them in the, in the ten. Um, I, I you know want to see if this continues. It, it is obviously the um, the first couple of weeks of the season. So there's a lot of water to go under the bridge yet with injuries and and form and all that kind of stuff. But Portland Trailblazers, I think they've started their season better than anyone would have thought, bro. Folks, they have. I mean, Dame Lillard, but just the re- the rest of the group that's playing so well for them. I mean. You know, they just come out and play hard. You know, Simon signs a new deal and, you know, he's coming out killing teams and, you know, they're just playing well together. They play, they've got a, a roster that's sneaky good. Jeremy Grant obviously is filling in well and Nurkic is putting up double, double numbers. But look, they don't quit and they play hard. And, you know, I, I didn't think they had much of a team, to be honest with you. You and I, you know, we were basically the same. I think I had them at 10. No, they had, I had them at 9. I think I had Lakers at 10 or something like that. And, you know, you were close to that. And But I, I just like the fact that they're not they're not quitting. And they're playing hard. And, you know, it goes to show you in the NBA. Now, I know it's early. It's only the first five or six games. But, you know, I, I like what I saw out of them. For, see out of, you know, I like what I've seen out of them for sure. They just they just go at you. Who you got? I've got the Indiana Pacers, folks. They okay. beat, they beat Indiana. They beat Washington. I, I didn't even know this. I was at a college game last night. Um, Tennessee versus Gonzaga, 
And I was I, I bought a ticket for like 70 bucks to go in and watch a couple of kids that I work with around each team. And a bunch of NBA scouts were around me and we we're talking about the Pacers. And they said, I guess Rick Carlisle um, missed the game, didn't coach the game last night against Washington, beat him. I guess he had a family um, he had a family engagement or whatever to go to. They end up beating Washington, and now they're kicking the shit out of fucking Brooklyn at Brooklyn by 11 with 223 left. And since well, we're doing the show a day early, this does count for the week. So, I mean, two in a row, I thought they were going to be the worst team in the league because they were obviously tanking, you know, trying to tank to get the French kid. But I'll get to give it to the Pacers. They're, they're going hard. They beat, you know, beating Washington, which I think is a much improved team. And now you come in and you beat, you know, you're going to beat Brooklyn, you know, up 10 with uh, two minutes left as we're recording now. So I'll give it to the guys, man. They're playing hard, you know, and I think they, you know, the Pacers play, you know, every, everyone's, everyone wants to mention like, you know, Turner and, and Buddy Heald. But I'll tell you what, folks, their rookie. Matherin? Yeah, is probably he's a, he's a right, right now. Now, I know they're a bad team, but right now I would say he's the best rookie in the league right now at mm-hmm. 19 and four, not 19 and four, coming off the bench at 19 and four. Um, you know, doing that with a team with Halliburton, Heald, you know, who are going to gun up shots and being able to do that. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, look, the guy's not Michael fucking Jordan, but like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm impressed by what what he's doing. Those guys are playing hard, you know, and, and everyone's thinking they're tanking, which I, I believe they still will by the end of the year. But yeah, I'll, I'll give the Indiana Pacers some due. They're they're playing well. Yeah, I wonder if we you know move forward in a month's time and then realize that Brooklyn isn't the biggest scout we all think it is today. <laughs> the way they're playing, man, they, they, I think, yeah. believe they're going to move to one and five. Is that correct? I think I think it's one and five. Yeah, um, or, or two and five, and they are they are in all sorts of trouble. They they can't guard anything. I mean, right now as we speak, Indiana have 122 points with a minute 38 left, so they'll probably you know get to 126, 127, 128 if they start fouling. That's way too many points, and they. They just don't guard, um, and, and they have this. They have this unit. I'll get into them with some useful, useless stats later on in the show. But man, I thought they'd be. I thought they'd put it together. I mean, they got a, one of the most talented rosters in the league. I mean, Ben Simmons things not not getting any better. Um, you know, and he's he's looking like he hates basketball right now. No matter what what the Brooklyn Nets say and how they support him, he just looks like he's not enjoying basketball. Um, he looks like he doesn't want to shoot. Doesn't want to get to the line. It's a bad place to be, especially when. You got two superstars next to you that can carry that scoring load. They're going to need you to, you know. I mean, he's got nine or ten assists tonight, but you know, a lot of those assists are throwing it to Kevin Durant, and he's hitting a, hitting a wide open jumper or a contested jumper, so you get an assist for that. So they need the Ben yeah, Simmons yeah. that that is a, is attacking the paint, that is relentless, and he's. I said this before. His game is reliant upon paint touches and and rim attempts. His game, he can't now. You know, pull up for jumpers because he's scared to get to the free throw line. He doesn't have that in his game, even if he, even if he wanted to do it. If, he, if he's, I don't want to get to the line because I'm kind of, you know, I've got the yips a little bit. Let me just shoot some threes. Well, he doesn't have that. So, his his number one strength in his game is attacking an open floor. But now teams are just like, we're just gonna we're just gonna foul the shit out of you and put you to the line. And then we know we know possession three, four, five, six. You're not going to come back in the paint, and that's exactly what's happening. So. You hate to see it. You hope he works it out. Look, it is early. I've seen Kyrie's comments about give Ben a chance. He hasn't played for almost two years and and this and that or a year or whatever it is. And I think I don't think it's anything to do with that. I think it's 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 that mental, um, you know, mental aspect of, of that mental sitting on his shoulder saying, you know, 
get to the free throw line, get to the free throw line, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, and that's going to be the toughest part of it. But um, we'll get into them a, bit, a little bit later. I'll go with my, my team of the week, my shitty team of the week. You can't go past the Lakers, probably. They're odds on favorite, probably to win this more than once. Um, but we don't really need to go into depth. We know how bad they Ooh. are right now. But for me, it's no excuse for a team with two future Hall of Famers um, to be this bad when you've got AD and LeBron on your roster. I don't care about the role players. I don't care about the shooting. Figure it out. You got at least you got to at least have one win on the board by now. Um, and they're they're looking horrific. I mean, they you know the question is going to pose itself eventually. They're going to they're end up being a tank team. I think they've they think their picks are. I think Paul Pierce was it Paul Pierce? He put out a yeah, post saying uh, the Lakers are the Lakers are in full tank mode for that pick, and someone's like, "Yeah, bro, they don't have their pick." <laughs> Yeah, they don't have their pick. <laughs> and he's like, oops, my bad, tweet delete, but uh, they don't have their pick. So they're in they're in that purgatory pro that we talk about between, you know, being one of the worst teams in the league to maybe scratching a plane with no picks in the future to play for. So <laughs> it's it's bad. But they're my team of the week, pro. Who you got? You know what, folks? I, you know, they're, they're such an easy target. I, I, I'm going to go away from them this week. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, just look – I know they've got load management stuff that they're dealing with and and all of that, but I mean you can't you can't just deny that they're. I mean they lost to Oklahoma City twice, and not nothing against Oklahoma City. You know they're battling and they and they play hard and they get some talent, but I don't care if you have Paul George playing, you know Kawhi Leonard playing, neither of them playing. Like you have a team that has a lot of good talent on it, a lot of good vets that should be able to, you know, to hammer it home for you and win. And they're not. And look, it's it's October, right? And we know that NBA teams don't go full throttle for a long time, but you gotta be able to put these teams away. Like these are easy wins. You're you literally lost to a tanking team twice in a row. Like how do you do that? You know, how do you do that? You still have NBA players in your team. You know, you've got you guys like Marcus Moore, Zubach, you know, Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell, Batum. Like, you still got good NBA players. Paul George played, I think, in at least one of those two, if I'm not mistaken. But they have to, like, answer the bell because, you know, they're going to be messing around with this, you know, with this stuff with Kawhi for a long time. So they're going to have to figure out how to handle being in these tough situations with these teams without their superstar or both of them. You know, because of load management, but I, I still think you should be look. If they were playing like Milwaukee, you know, if they were playing teams like that, like you know, Boston, Milwaukee, um, even Philadelphia, and you and you lose to those guys, they got talent. You know that they got big time talent. You expect that, but teams are in a lower tier. You got to be able to put away, even if one of your superstars is out, even if both. You know, this isn't like the old constructed Clipper team. I mean, they added a lot of firepower to this team. I mean, even John Wall, I'm not a huge fan of, but, you know, he's averaging 15. Like, you've ha- you've got him. You've got Norman Powell for the full year now, and you've got all these other guys that you have on your team. Even Luke Kennard could help you. I just expect a little bit more out of them. I don't expect them to, to win 70 games or anything, but you expect them to be able to beat the lower-tier teams even without, you know, even if they're not – you know, at full capacity on their roster, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say it again. I said it last week. I mean, I made a point of it. They, they need to play together, man. Like, yeah, I, I get the load management. I'm not going to be hypocrite. I, had, I, had, I was load managed through portions of my career. Mm-hmm. But in the bulk of when the Warriors, when I was part of the Warriors journey of going upwards, 
I played a lot of games. Draymond played a lot of games. We played together a lot, man. And you you have to go through those in season battles of losing a close game with your with your core group, being involved in a you blow out a team one night and they blow you out back. Like you got to be involved in that up and down of the NBA season with your guys. The issue with them is, like I said, one game PG rest, the next game Kawhi, the next game this guy, and sometimes both of them miss. I get you want to be healthy come playoff time. I, I don't think that formula would work well for the Clippers historically, right? That they they need it. They need continuity to play together. Now, if if this if this changes post the new year, if this is their plan, then fair enough. Obviously, they're not going to release that information now and say, "Look, we're going to do this for two or three months and then ramp it up." But they there comes there's going to come a, a time in the NBA season, which I think is probably before All Star break. You know, I'd like to see it late December, early January, where you know the only time we're going to rest guys is maybe a back to back, and that's it. You got to get these guys playing together. You got to figure out rotations. You got to figure out can John Wall play with Reggie Jackson at the same time at the one two? Sometimes can is John Wall a good point guard next to PG and Kawhi? Who's the big guy in that lineup that that, that you know complements them? Can we play power at the four for stretches? Morris. Uh, Marcus is Marcus Morris, um, one of the Morris Marcus twins. Morris, yep. Yeah, how's he fitting in? Can we play him stretch five at times and take Zubats out? Like, you can't figure that out in a playoff series, man. And that's no. my biggest gripe with the Clippers. And I picked them as being one of the better teams. Is like they gotta they gotta fucking play together, man. Like, I'm you know, and I get like I said, I get the injury thing and keeping guys healthy, but that's my one thing with them. It's not a talent issue for me or, or even anything else. They play. I haven't seen them fully healthy play together for ten straight games ever. And until I see that, I'm kind of I'm actually taken back, you know, chopping and changing like analysts do. Pro, where I'm not I'm not overly confident. I didn't, I didn't think they would do this coming into this season because I was under the assumptions that Kawhi had that whole season to rehab. Because mm-hmm. remember there was talks he might be back for the playoffs last season. You yeah. know, they were loose talks. So I thought, shit, he's going to have a whole another four months, five months till camp. He's going to be 100 percent healthy. He's going to play every game. So I thought I based my prediction on that. These dudes are going to be healthy. Well, he's still he's still not. PG's still kind of missing games every now and then. But I think I, I like that. Um, the Clippers ones, not one you'd usually pick. Uh, what are they right now? They are two and three, um, mm-hmm. and, and lost to lost to, to, to two bad games to, to to a bad team. So um, yeah, they they need to fix that. But you know, for me, the Lakers—they are the last remaining team now that has not got a win on the board. Pro, um, the Magic have won a game, and the Kings just beat Miami. Although they almost almost looked like they were going to lose that one when they made a little run, but they they held on. Um, some other surprises—if we just quickly glance at the standings. I mean, Brooklyn Nets—they're 13th right now. They move, they're going to move to one and five at the end of this game. Uh, Miami have not started as well as they would have liked. Uh, two and five down the bottom of the table there. Um, Philly's starting to find a little bit of a rhythm. Matisse is back in the lineup. I think that was a no-brainer. Talk about them a little bit later in the in the stats segment. Charlotte, consistent about where I thought they'd be. Um, surprises in the top four. I mean, Cleveland's playing really well right now. They've won four straight. They beat Boston in Boston. I caught the end of that game. It was a, a really good game. They made some great plays at the end of regulation and overtime. Atlanta's up there as well in the East. Uh, any surprises for you in talking Eastern Conference right now, Pro? Uh, Eastern Conference. No, like, I was a little surprised at the Boston game last night. Um, you know, Boston losing to, you know, Boston losing to Cleveland. But, you know, it's funny, like, Atlanta is a little bit of a surprise for me because Trey Young, even though he's putting up points and shooting the ball terribly, you know, um, I, I didn't expect I, – I expected them to be a little bit in the tank, but they're, you know, they're holding they're holding pretty strong at 4-1, and yeah. one, you know, with two in the East and – um, I'd say the Knicks, but it's early. You know, the Knicks yeah, being three early. and two, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit 
we had to see them up, but they're only three and two, and it's so early. So, nah, not a lot, not a mm. lot of, uh, not a lot of, you know, not a lot of surprises so far. Yeah, the West is pr- pretty close as predicted, bar bar the Clippers being the bottom 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 group. But it, it, the asterisk to all this for all our listeners is it's it's we're five six games in, so yeah. not enough body of work. But look, there is there is. Probably some panic setting in. If you're the Brooklyn Nets right now, there's a bit of panic. There has to be a bit of panic because it's not just easy to go on, on a win streak and now get to 500. And they're, they're in a tough conference and they've got some tough teams. And they're losing to teams that right now that they should beat. That's the problem. Indiana Pacers, mm-hmm. those kind of games. They're ones that you just got to circle and say, that's a, that's a given. We're, we're, we're winning that at home, especially. You got to win that one. So out west, you know, Portland, we said one. Phoenix is playing good basketball. Um, Utah, probably a surprise. With Everyone thought they were a tank team. I think they'll be... They'll be slowly climbing to the bottom of that pool, I believe, um, as time mm-hmm. goes on. Uh, Denver, they're kind of getting acclimatized to having all their guys back. The Spurs are in there, um, another tank team. So probably those two are the biggest surprises. The rest is about where it is. Golden State um, defensively have been horrific to open up the season. Mm-hmm. They've they got big, big problems defensively. I don't know what it is. It just look like they're not fully engaged. Probably the championship hangover. They can afford to buy time because they're one of those teams that I believe can go on a run, whereas uh, Brooklyn, I think, I'm not as confident they can get that consistency to go on a 10-game streak where I think Golden State could still pull that off in December or January when they need it. Um, Dallas about, you know, Dallas is 500, but they've, they've lost a couple of close games. So the West is mm-hmm. about what we thought, bro. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And like, like we keep saying, it's so early. Like, and that's why even last week when we were talking about Utah winning games and San Antonio winning games, it's so early. Eighty-two games is plenty of t- time to go on an eight-game losing streak, six-game losing streak, and you know the schedule gets the best of you, and you just start figuring things out. You know, for tank teams, I think it's good to win a couple of games early, it gets people a little bit excited about you. You know, and then you could just go, you know, go into normalcy as far as you're losing, but. Yeah, not a lot of surprise in the West. What I think things will shape up, you know, 20, you know, 15 games from now. You know, once you get to the, about the 20 game mm-hmm. limit, you know, 20 25 game mark, I think I think things will start to take shape the way we think it is, you know, minus like the Lakers and stuff. Yeah, and it, and it just is nice to see the tank teams winning because they they're, you know, we've spoken about one of the, you know, best prospects to, to ever come into the NBA draft, um, a once in a generation player, a lifetime player and everyone's going to tank for him and it's nice to see that go against the grain, at least in the first couple of weeks, pro. So, you know, you don't, you don't want to see teams come out and just blatantly do it from the start. So it's nice to see them competing. All right. Uh, the NBA pro wants to have an upper salary limit for teams mm. in the new CBA, meaning that there's a, a hard cap that you cannot go over under any circumstances pretty much. So I assume there'd be a soft cap and then there'd be theoretically, let's make this, I'm making this up just on random numbers. Um, you hit that, let's say it's 100 million is your, is your salary cap. You hit that, you can maybe go to 150 with penalties and then it stops. So that's kind of what they're implementing. Significant resistance from the union, of course, because that's less money in players' pockets, less money the team can spend. They want teams to go over the cap. The more they go over the cap, the more their players are uh, compensated. Um, the league believes the current system fails to provide a level playing field for all teams. Um, so even though there is the basketball, the, the, the revenue sharing uh, that goes to smaller market teams and all that kind of stuff, um, that the NBA believes that the system is is kind of flawed. And I would probably agree to an extent. Look, if you start having teams follow the, the route of Golden State, so let's say the Lakers and big market teams just start doing that, even though I think that the, the, the one thing with the Warriors is it's a, they're, they're kind of 
hindered by their own success because they develop most of these players. Pro, I mean, Wiggins is really the only one that they brought in outside of the, outside of the uh, outside of the grain, and that was you know obviously in a trade. Uh, the rest of the guys, their rookie deals developed, and they have to pay them. So um, they're a victim of their own success there. But I think it's a good thing. I think it does. I, I just don't want to see it going towards baseball with the like the Yankees, you know, and and, and just everyone that's playing for these smaller teams has a career year with a goal to get to the Yankees and they just buy the best players. I think, you know, even though there is a David versus Goliath stories that they're only every so often, it just becomes a little bit boring. So I think um, I think it's good to look at. I the, the union's not going to, they, they're, they're claiming this is a non-starter and we're not even going to discuss it. So I doubt it gets through at least this CBA, maybe in two or three CBAs it will. But um, what are your thoughts around it? Well, I, I, I think a hard cap would be a great idea for the, for the league to implement. Look, there aren't going to be many teams that get to what Golden State's doing. Like you said, you can't – the late, like the, the basketball system isn't like the baseball system. And I don't know the baseball system in and out. And I don't even know the basketball system because it changes so so frequently. Mm. But like with the Lakers, okay, so they got Anthony Davis and they get LeBron, right? And they you know even acquire Westbrook in a trade. So they get their three juggernaut you know salary guys. Now everything else you could only spend is – Tax level, mid level, which is like I think three and a half million, if I'm not mistaken, and then minimums for the most part, and then maybe another exception that's pretty small. Where Golden State, the reason why they can get that is because they get all their de- guys under rookie deals, and then they just keep on deciding to extend them to max contracts and big deals, and then they get Wiggins and they, you know, through trade, and they could do that, and you know, so it's really hard once you get to that cap. It's hard to you know, get to the mega spending. I think I read somewhere, Bogues, where 20 out of the 30 teams didn't get to the luxury tax. So there's plenty of places where if I'm like playing for the Knicks and the Knicks are hard capped, you know, um, and they're hard capped with the money they spend, well, yeah, you might lose the player, but the, the player is going to sign somewhere else and he's going to get his money. It's just not going to be in New York. It might be in San Antonio, Houston, you know, Miami, Detroit, wherever it's going to be, you know, he'll have to get it somewhere else. Now in football, there is a hard cap, but I think you could restructure deals if I'm not mistaken. You know, if somebody wants to give back, yeah, good luck having an NBA guy give back money to, you know, to, you know, instead of to win, to be in a winning situation. But I really think that a hard cap is needed, but not desperately needed because again, you know, I, I don't know the numbers right now, but besides Golden State, I don't see a lot of teams even, I mean, even close to what they're doing. So it's not going to be like LA, New York, you know, all the big market teams just getting to this big threshold and no one else could get there. Um, You know, and plus, like, look, you've got a bunch of these small market teams. And if they're upset about, look, it's a, you can't level every playing field for sure, but. You know they're they're paying franchise fees and they get into the league. You expect you know those guys to at least keep them happy a little bit because they are part of your league and part of your organization. But um, yeah, I mean I'm I'm good with the hard cap. I think look, I, I think other teams should have a chance if if you know you can't have everybody just going to a big market and good teams if you know. But um, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. Like I said, there's only a couple of teams that even get to that point. Yeah, I think we're a ways away from it. I think the, the union will allow this for at least another yeah. few nego- another few CBA complete negotiations. So I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but obviously it's been given to the media so that they want a conversation starting around it. I think it does need to happen eventually because you can't you can't run the course 
that is as of current like a golden state. Even though, like I said, I'm, I think they're a victim of their own success, and, and we'll get into their numbers a little bit more later. And in this segment, uh, another quick one. We don't have to get into this too much, but the NBA and the NBPA have agreed to suspend random cannabis testing for the third straight season. Pro, so you can smoke a doobie on the way to shoot around and be perfectly legal to play a basketball game. Well. With some of the players that I watch, I think that they're doing harder drugs than weed the way they shoot the ball, but that's just me. Yeah, this is always a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm not pro or anti. I think um, you know, studies have said that cannabis definitely has, has its pros, especially for recovery and, and, and for ailments and for body aches and, and for mental well-being, but there's also a slippery slope too. If you, if you overdo it, it can have a detrimental um, affect your performance as well. You, you just hope. I don't think guys are silly enough to do it on a game day. But you know, even if you do it, did it late, late night, early morning, midnight, one, two, three, and you're probably going to have some remnants of it at shoot around. So interesting that they've waived that. But I, I'm not. I don't really mind it too much, pro. Um, you know, I mean, worst case, a guy just sleepwalks through a game if he's high. <laughs> so they, sleep, um, they sleepwalk through about 38 of them anyway. So anyway, so it'll, it'll, turn into, it'll turn into 48 then. But um, <laughs> that's that. Okay, Josh Primo, pro. Um, this just hit the wire yesterday. Number 12 pick in the 2021 draft. Had a few years of reigning on his rookie deal at a decent number, which is all guaranteed. The Spurs, with a pretty... Uh, not, I wouldn't say cryptic. They didn't really give us a whole lot with their initial statement. We're waving Josh Primo. Wish him all the best. Adios. Bye. Um, Josh had then put out a statement saying he needs to deal with some previous trauma. He's going to take some time to focus on his mental health. Today has come out. Today's come out that um, it's it's come to the media that he has exposed himself to numerous women. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we have publicly. Uh, there's you and I both have heard different stories. I've you know the mail I've got is by numerous. It's numerous, 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 and and more, um, which is a bit of an issue. But I mean, Josh, who knows what trauma he faced um, growing up? I don't think that's. I think that's a two different. You know, it's apples and oranges. I think that was a statement that his agent. PR company, whoever he's working with, will like get on the front foot and put something out. Uh, so he's put out the mental health thing, and this is this is a really dangerous slippery slope. Once again, he could have had these drums, he could have been sexually abused, could have been whatever. But to release this when you well know something's coming out about you, I look, I look at that. Ver- I look at I look at it. I look see straight through it. I think it's shallow. I think it's hollow. I think it's I'm, I'm not buying into your traumas because of something that you've done now. Um, and it's a bad time to, to, to release that a day before, you know, it's been, it's been alleged that you have um, exposed yourself to numerous women. And it also, once again, tarnishes people that have true mental health issues to just have that come out um, when you're in a time that's, you've done something shitty, you've, you've made mistakes. To use that straight away, it, it just dampens um, the effect of when someone says they got some mental issues because it's 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 the theory of here we go again another guy with mental health issues when the next one could be genuine and true um, so I, I hate I hate that part of it but for the Spurs to react quickly you commend them um, because they, that couldn't have been an easy decision seeing that he's the number number twelve pick um, they still invested a lot of money into him whether he gets that or not who knows how that's all going to go I assume he does I believe someone else can pick him up but. He's in some trouble from what I hear, Pro. I don't think he'll be playing again this season. 
it's going to take some sort of rehab and some some com- good community type stuff. Um, there is rumours of potential uh, court case between the people that were involved. Uh, there's that as well. So for a young player in the NBA, number 12 pick, world at his feet, good organization, they would have played him and developed him because they're shitty anyway. Um, to being out of the league is is pretty pretty tough to see, but you don't excuse the behavior, pro. That's, you know, it's just a despicable circumstance. And like I said, I'm, I'm really big on that mental health card, man. Like using that when you well know something's coming, something bad's coming out about you tomorrow. So you, today you go to the media and say you've got a mental health issue. I think that's as poor as poor. Um, obviously not as poor as the actions that have been alleged, but it's up there with with just some some crazy ass gaslighting in my, in my opinion, bro. Well, Bogues, remember, um, in the last five years, the four things that can get you out of murder and anything else below that is COVID, mental health, racism, or Donald Trump. So you could use any of the, one of those excuses that could get you out of anything. And it's deplorable what the fuck he did from what I've heard. You know, I've heard it from multiple sources. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to, you know, because of the Aimee Adoka thing, you don't want to you don't want to go on bad information. So I'm just going to let it lie, but it, it, it's, re- it's pretty fucking bad and it's despicable. The only trauma that was faced is my eyes and stomach reading it and fucking having to deal with it. Just, just <laughs> watching what he did. Look, you hear NBA players say all the time, it's a business. It's a business. It's a business. Why don't you start fucking acting like it's a business? I don't give a fuck what trauma you have. All right. You're taking millions of dollars. You've got you're one of four hundred plus players that are in that league and get the chance to do what you do and make millions of fucking dollars doing it. And even you know, in the way the league's going now, you could average two and two and make a hundred million over the, <laughs> the, the span of your mm. fucking career. And believe me, there are plenty of there are plenty of people doing it. And you know, oh, it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. They like tweeting that bullshit out like it's fucking nothing. And I don't give a fuck, like, you don't do what he did. And I don't give a fuck what trauma he had. And again, with all the people that have real mental health issues, you want to throw it out like that based on what you just did and when it's going to come out even more, it, it, it sends the wrong message where you could do anything you want, right? You expect to be treated like a professional or you call people out when you're not treated like a professional on the ownership and management side but you want to do this and embarrass the organization, your family, your name, and the whole league in general. It, it's, it's despicable. It's fucking deplorable. And, you know, it just is disgusting. And for people that have to deal with that, you know, and people, uh, you know, try to help him and he still went over the top to do what he did. It, you know, it just, it's just, it's despicable. And I, you know, the San Antonio dealt with it well you know they they got they got rid of him they wiped their hands of it and um it, it's but it's just it's again it will come out more and more will come out i don't want to be one of those guys that do it because i, I let the professionals leak it out because i, I want to make sure it's right and but it's it's pretty bad and um again it's a it's a black eye for the league and you know again when you're when you're a young person and you're saying, well, it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. Why don't you learn how to be a fucking professional first? Learn how to be a fucking professional instead of just tweeting out bullshit. Like it's a business, it's a business, mental health, trauma. You know, those catchphrases that get you out of things, 
This this ain't fucking Monopoly. This ain't a get out of jail free card, motherfucker. This is bad. And it's, you know, I take this shit serious because it's it's a professional league. And we're trying to be professional. As much as we fuck around and stuff, you're doing that shit. It's just bad for business, man. It's bad for fucking business. Yeah, well, like I said, he's he's in some trouble. He's, he's going to be out of the league at least this season, potentially next. Um, and he's going to struggle to find another another team once you know once once this all comes out and comes to light. It's going to be hard to come back from it, especially after what happened to Doka. And mm-hmm. um, like I said, not condoning it, but the penalty that he's received as a coach, as we've discussed, is you know the penalty for players needs to start to be similar. If you want to talk about, you know, um, executives and this and that being punished for saying things or doing things or owners being having teams taken from him, this is all going to come towards the players as well. And we're seeing that now. And um, I think he's going to be he's he's going to be kind of not looked fondly upon from numerous NBA teams for for a long, long time. He's going mm-hmm. to have to have, have his come to Jesus meeting and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And and and. And then hopefully he can come back and learn from his mistakes. But um, he's in for one another guy, pro Eric Bledsoe. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you followed this, but he announced that he's signing in China last oh. week, oh. Um, which I thought was strange because it's it's still October. He could still potentially get picked up by someone. You know, keep his foot in the door for now. He announced that pretty quickly, um, and then it comes to light that he's been arrested for domestic violence. Um, so I don't know. The arrest they said was on the Wednesday. I don't know which one was first, but to put that kind of announcement out, um, and then the domestic violence charge comes a couple of, a couple of days later was interesting. Uh, you can read into that. I don't know if it was strategic or not, but it, it definitely was strange. But um, and I'm not joking about this. The, the one place that probably won't care is China. <laughs> so I, I doubt his I doubt his uh, contract will get torn up there, bro. Um, but he, yeah, he's he's in some trouble as well. He's uh, and and promising young player when he first came in the league, he just hasn't 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 stuck anywhere, hasn't figured it out. And now the off court issues. But um, yeah, you think you think the Chinese team's cutting him pro over this? No, nah, I don't see. It. I don't see that unless unless it was like a felony. I don't see them. Um, well, felony where he can't leave the country. Yeah, but if yeah. he, I don't think they'd care. Whatever he no, did, no, 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 exactly. Yeah. On, on the plane, getting them buckets, they couldn't give two shits. No, I mean they've they've signed some Legion of Doom motherfuckers over there, and uh, <laughs> you know I don't think I don't think I don't think that this is probably like the guys that are over there playing. He's probably like the nine thousand three hundred twenty first worst guy out there as far as you know as far as his records concerned. So I don't think they give a fuck really. So I think they'll be fine. I think he'll be good. Yeah. Well, anyway, good luck to him over there. Uh, you know a little bit about, more about this part of um, so apparently Kyrie shared a link of a book that is deemed anti-Semitic or some verses from it or, or whatever it was Joe Sy, the owner of the very team um, Kyrie Irving plays for has come out and criticised he quoted as saying um, it is wrong to promote hate based on race, ethnicity or religion um, and most would agree with that I mean you know, most people should agree with that of course I haven't followed it too much, but um, what have you what have you read into this? Yeah, so you know the book. I guess the book has something to do with obviously Jewish people, and I think African Americans as well. And um, it's just, it, it was put out by some radical Black Hebrew is, Israelites, and you know I guess it's pretty strong stuff. Um, there's like an Amazon link that he was sharing. And then it's basically brought people, you know, obviously got people uncomfortable with it and 
because it's anti-Semitic and everything that's going on with Kanye West and stuff are just sort of a perfect storm. And so they're, they're, he's, he's getting a lot of pushback from it. And uh, so it's just interesting that, you know, the owner comes out and says, you know, um, he wants to sit down and talk to him about it. And But look, man, this is nothing new, not the anti-Semitic stuff, but this nothing new that he goes sort of against the grain on what he's trying to do, you know, what he does and how he uses social media and, you know, basically, you know, again, it's, it's like the NBA folks. Most of most NBA players call out people, you know, call out other people for doing different things. It could be racism or it could be this or that. And then they could just basically do what they want. And then when people call them out, they say, well, I'm misunderstood. It's not this, it's not that. So it's a little bit of a hypocrite, you know, it's a hypocrite way to deal with it. But um, I don't really know much about the movie or anything like that. But Well, I got the name. It's, it's um, where is it here? Uh, the movie, 2018 film, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake mm-hmm. Up Black America um, on social media. He posted that on social media with a link to its Amazon page. And the book has been... Uh, labeled as containing anti-Semitic disinformation by many, including Rolling Stone. So mm-hmm. um, that's that's what he posted. That's what he's getting backlash for. Look, I think roughly. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen the movie. Never even heard of it. Um, so I can't. Uh, I can't comment too much on the context of it or the contents of the movie. But if it if it has some things that are deemed to be racist or sexist or whatnot I'd have to see for myself um, but you obviously condemn that if it is promoting you know um, division or any of that kind of stuff based on religious religion religious reasons race creed you know whatever right um, but I will say this this is the same <laughs> this is this is what's interesting about this, this is the same Josiah that uh Undersized leadership with Alibaba Pro funded companies that help China build an intrusive, omnipresent surveillance state that uses emerging technologies to track individuals with greater efficiency. This is according to a 2020 congressional report. Now, you might see that and say, okay, it's just a new tech that China, we know China uses a social credit system and all that kind of stuff. For those that don't know, you can look it up yourself, but you're, you're rewarded with good social traits and penalized for not, and that could be allowing you to do different things amongst the community and whatever. Um, these technologies have been widely used in the western region of, of, of Xinjiang where the government has forced more than one million Uyghur Muslims and other ethnic minorities into barbed wire, re-education camps, policies that have been described as cultural genocide by the United States, several other countries and human rights organisations, bro. So... Josiah might have a point about, or he, let's say that he does have a point. You know, you shouldn't, if Kyrie's putting out um, tweets and, and promoting books or movies that are, that are, uh, are seen as, as racist or um, discriminatory to any, any group of people, fair enough. But this is, this is my problem with it all. Like, you want to come out and put that messaging out if you're Josiah, but you actually lived it. <laughs> you engaged in it, uh, according to a report in 2020 a congressional report from the US so I don't know if you knew about that pro but that's that's the owner of the Brooklyn Nets that was involved in that and was at the head of a company that was involved in some pretty questionable practices with with a minority group in China folks you could track and trace back everybody into doing something fucked up and like nobody should be seriously almost nobody on the planet 
should be like lecturing people about how to like be well pro, pro hold on a second though there's 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 everyone everyone fucks up and makes mistakes no doubt yes everyone said something silly once upon a time everyone said something politically incorrect or even as a young kid or whatever right everyone said something that someone can find offensive this guy was the head of a company that had people in essentially what are deemed as concentration camps mm-hmm and had a technology that he implemented within his company to monitor these people's movements. That's not, that's not just a fuck up. <laughs> that's, right, right. That is absolutely horrendous by any means, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fact is that then, uh, maybe the point you were trying to make was if you're gonna go and lecture people, you, you gotta make sure you gotta make sure you have a clean slate. But, exactly. but as far as like, if he just made a simple mistake, maybe he did something similar to what Kari did back in the day, I wouldn't even be criticizing him. We all make mistakes as long as you move on from him and, Forgive and forget, and you apologize, and you, and you, and you move on. Mm-hmm. But this guy was the head of a snake that was pretty poisonous, man. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's very hypocritical. Without question, and that's what I was trying to say. It's like you know, you want to lecture, and again, it's the same thing. We talk about Steve Kerr lecturing everybody on a daily basis about you know p- bad people in the world, and you know you got to be great people, and this and that. This person's bad. This person's bad. Yet you know. Like who turns the other cheek on certain things? This guy, I, again, I didn't know. I didn't know any of this until you read it um, about what he did with his company. Again, you can't be lecturing people about, "Hey, you're doing this evil thing" when you've got this stuff going on. And again, it just goes to prove that everybody else wants to call everybody else out, except for what they do. Like everybody wants rules and regulations until it and call people out for it until it. It has to affect them and it's fucked up. So yeah, it's um that's some fucked up shit though. That's some that's some like Jack Bauer twenty four shit or some fucking Jason Bourne shit and uh about the tracking yeah, people is. and all that. That's, that's some weird <laughs> if people, stuff. If, if people want to see the post, it's from Drew, Drew Pavlou's an Australian who was recently arrested, he's a human rights activist and he was recently arrested in uh, in England after the <clears throat> Chinese government made fake emails in his name and called him bomb threats and he ended up getting arrested, the poor guy. Um, he's very heavily campaigning against China and their treatment of, of Uyghurs. So he has, it's a passion for him. Um, he's posted that on his social medias if people want a reference and it's actually an ESPN, um, out of an ESPN excerpt of an of a article that they wrote back in the day. So uh, back in three, four years ago. So um, it's all there for the reading. If people want that reference point, you can jump online. Um, there's also the Kanye West Fallout Pro. Uh, you follow this a little bit closer than I have. Um, obviously, once again, some anti-Semitic comments has seen him completely cancelled off the face of the earth. Um, lost his basically all, all his platforms to promote himself. I think all his social media accounts. I think Adidas have actually, or Adidas, as you Americans say, have 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 actually got rid of him. Which was an interesting one because they, he makes them a lot of money with those with those shoes. Um, they've moved on from him, but. The fallout of this is there's there's some kids that are affected. Pro, can you um can you break that down for us? Yeah, so he run he he started the school um, called Donda Academy in the last year or so, and basically it's a prep school. I don't know if regular students are there. I think there are regular students, but um, mostly because of the basketball team. Basketball team's got a bunch of you know big time players that are ranked highly in their class. So they get invited to all these programs across the, uh, all these tournaments across the country with some really good teams that are playing in it. Well, because of the anti-Semitic thing and the cancellation of, you know, of uh, Kanye West that heads up the school, um, they they got 
uninvited from all these big time tournaments. So basically, and then there's a lot of fallback from uh, students and, and parents of the, the students that are at school and people pulling out and things. So they basically discontinued the school for at least a year. So they basically have these kids with no place to go as of yet. They'll be picked up, you know, they'll be picked up within 72 hours of leaving school, most of the kids, because a lot of them are highly regarded. Well, Jalen Brown, that I, I didn't even know this, Kanye West, Donda, I guess, has a, I want to say they've got like a sports agency that represent players or does some marketing or whatever for players. And Jalen Brown uh, left the company. Um, he, he disassociated himself with it because of the remarks that Kanye West did. And, you know, be, you know it wasn't his deal. It, you know, obviously all the stuff, the cancellation, all the, you know, he probably cost himself, Kanye West probably cost himself over six, five or $600 million with all the endorsements that he lost. So in Jalen Brown was just a, you know, the cherry on top. Right. And so now all, the school, the school has to shut down because of the anti-Semitic stuff and everybody else canceling. So everybody else is, you know, like jumping on board with this. And then he tweeted out, Oh, I, I didn't want this to happen. Well, yeah, I mean, look, in today's age, you say anti-Semitic stuff, you know, you're going to get ruined for, you know, for a long time. You know, so everybody got to see this coming, but you know, you're basically part of the reason why that he got canceled. And, you know, now you're, you're, you're cutting back. Well, I don't want the kids to get hurt. Well, I mean, you know, that's just sort of what happened. So basically all these kids, these all American kids that are like, you know, really good team, you know, they're, they're stuck without, you know, they're stuck without a team, a school, they got to go to other schools, which again, other prep schools and things will, will gobble them up. That's just sort of how the U S system works, especially if you're really good. But um, yeah, it was weird. I mean, they just shut down probably within two or three days of like the whole tidal wave <clears> of cancellations <throat> that the school had to close down. And um, now these kids and have those no kids. It just sucks for those kids. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. It absolutely sucks that they're involved in the crossfires. So, so there are you know people that get caught in in this that that had no like they weren't part of it. Anything that they didn't tell Kanye to say this. They so you'd hope that cooler heads prevail and someone either takes over that. Academy and, and and helps those kids at least get through the year till that, so they can go and find other schools or academies. They're probably left in limbo for the next couple of months, you know, and that's that's despicable. So hopefully, hopefully, maybe when Jalen Brown can figure something out and call it the Jalen Brown Academy and just just have it continue on to an extent, I'm sure they can fundraise enough to keep that going. But you just hate to see um, someone's comments and and them getting punished. Also, there's a trickle down effect of of the numerous. I'm sure. Not defending Kanye by any means. I'm sure there was other charities and other people that he was involved with or helping or doing this or that, and they've probably all distanced themselves now. So who loses? It's community and the kids. So hopefully, um, cool heads prevail with that, and they can they can get that sorted out. But um, lots of drama, man. Lots of drama, and you know, Kyrie and Kanye and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's it's just a crazy time. It's just better off. I mean, you want people to have their freedom of speech, but you got to be very careful with you know once you once you start. You know, putting out comments that people either deem or that are um, divisive and whatnot. There's going to be there's going to be some blowback with that. So it's a it's a shit show. Hopefully, those kids can get it sorted out. All right, next one we have the so the Warriors Pro are officially the highest value team in the NBA. I don't know if you saw this. Um, they are valued at seven billion dollars as of today. I thought it was interesting just because usually the Lakers or the Knicks hold that mantle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warriors have gone up. 25% from last year, wow. which is interesting. They generated the most revenue last season 
with $765 million. That's after paying the revenue share that goes to other teams. But they also have the most operating income in NBA history with $206 million. That's obviously outside of paying players and whatnot, I believe. But um, the league average for valuations right now is $2.86 billion, so they're at seven. I mean, congratulations to all these. He's, you know, um, Joe Laker, Peter Gruber, they've, they've built a, a monolith of a business out of that club that was a turnstile of an organization right before I got there and when I got there and no one wanted to be there and built a new arena and had a grand plan and, and he's fulfilled that plan and I think they deserve it. People look at like, oh, $7 billion, that's crazy. But the fact that he's operating a budget is the highest in NBA history tells you that he's, he's, he's reinvesting that as well. He's, he's putting a lot of money into that thing, you know, and, and for those not familiar with finance and accounting, he doesn't have that $7 billion. That $7 billion is just a paper valuation. So somewhat, they're still putting money into that club to run it at $206 million. Now it helps that they've got it to a point where they're making $765 million um, in revenue. But, you know, he's, he's reinvesting that into the club. So I think um, serve success, kudos, applauds. I think it's fantastic from where that club's came. And, you know, he paid $450, $500 million for it. And it's, it's worth $7 billion a day. So it's a pretty good investment. Folks, it's unbelievable, man. Like you said, you know, when you got there, it was to the point where the, it was just a, a turnstile pro, program for sure. I mean, look, it was still in San Francisco, still or Oakland, and still worth some money. But you know, to bring to bring the organization to where it is. Look, we get lectured all the time by Lakeup and and things. I get it. Like with a monumental organization and things like that. Hey, look, he put his money where his mouth is. He he earned it. They make him. They make an astronomical amount of money for home games and you know finals and you know finals and playoff home games and they've done a lot and they set the standard for a lot of things that they do. So, I mean, you could give them all the shit you want. The guy, the, the guy's produced and um, it's, it's amazing. But with that new arena, their location, how, what the team's doing, the assets on the team, you know, basically how they promote it. Yeah. It's all, it's all big time things. And, Man, that's, that's, that's a great accomplishment. Again, you would still think the Lakers, I mean, the Knicks have run themselves into the ground for so many years. Even the Lakers haven't been great, but at least they've got a championship in LeBron and they're in LA and, you know, they've got a lot going for them, media deal and all that. But yeah, it was a little surprising when I heard, I heard that today. I, I It was sort of in one ear or out the other. I didn't really, um, I didn't really think about it, but that's a, that's a, a great accomplishment for sure. It is great job, Warriors. NBA challenge, rule tweak suggestion for me. I think the NBL has got this one right, pro. So the NBL has the same challenge rule as the NBA. The only kicker is if you get it right, you keep it. Do you like it or not? Uh, if you get it right, you keep the timeout? Keep everything. You keep your challenge and the timeout, yeah. Oh, yeah, yep. for sure, for sure. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a thousand percent behind that. I, that's great. Yeah, right? I like it. Yeah. I like it. I love it. I love it. And, and by the way, we spoke about it last week. So the reviews are gone from the NBA period. The reviews are gone. Even the last minute, last two minute stuff, that's all gone. It has to be reviewed. You have to have a review left to do it. So now I think teams are really strategizing, keeping that review for you know six minute under mark in the fourth quarter strategically. Right, You don't want to burn that early on in the first half regardless. So most teams are now throwing out the first three quarters for that that rule. But in the NBL, if you if you get it right, you keep it, and I love it because it's a gamble, right? Like there's teams that will take that gamble 
in the first, like the there was a game last night that I was at in Sydney, and the, the, the Cairns Taipans coach took one in the first minute twenty and lost it. <laughs> and probably could have used it later on in that game, but I like the rollover. I think it's it rewards you for being right, and and it should be that way, and then it punishes punishes you for being wrong. So I liked it. Final one, real quick with NBA stuff, pro Neiman Marcus. Uh, it's a big time department store in the US is offering a day long experience with Scotty Pippen and Pippen Jr his son this includes a private dinner a sample of Pippen's bourbon boutique bourbon it's called Digits and the signed copy of the book Unguarded Pro what would you value this at? how much is it? Oh, what would I'll you value you it at? what um, would you pay what would you pay if you were just you weren't you didn't know you're a big Bulls fan from back in the day and you can spend the whole day with Pippen, private dinner, sample of his bourbon and a signed copy of the book with the Pippen family. How much would you pay for that? $38.21. No, honestly though, if you were like a Bulls fan, like I know what you you wouldn't pay, but I'd like probably, say you were- a, I'd probably say if I could have dinner with Scotty. All day, you're spending the whole day with him. jeez. Oh, yeah. Day long experience it is those, quoted as. Those, those would be great fucking experiences, let me tell you. Um, I would say <laughs> thousand bucks. Th- come on, man. I'll, I'll look. I'm going to go. Uh, Ten thousand. Just being, Pro's being an asshole. Ten thousand. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say. I would even say for a whole day with dinner, the sun, yeah. lifelong Bulls fan. You know, 30, 40, 50 k market. I reckon would be fair. Okay. Well, that's 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 way off. That's way off. It's uh, it's three hundred thirty three thousand dollars, pro. Cool. Are they throwing in three hundred thirty grand in your pocket at, at the end of the day, or what are they doing? Because I saw this and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, and why three hundred thirty three? Why not one hundred eleven or two hundred twenty two? It had to be three hundred thirty three. Well, it's his, it's his playing number, pro thirty three. <laughs> but I thought it was three hundred thirty three thousand dollars. I thought they took the three hundred thirty three dollars three hundred thirty three because that was his credit rating. <laughs> I saw this and I was I, I like I like I, I thought it was a mistake <laughs> when I saw the post. I was like, this can't be right. You know, what, and then you know, I found it. and I was like, what the? You know, this, what's gonna happen? That is crazy. Some Saudi Arabian prince is gonna do it. Like that's the only fucking person that could do it. Come on, I mean, three hundred and thirty-three thousand. Like, there are people that will do it for Jordan, but like easily. Well, I know Kobe. I know Kobe. Uh, he's maybe went on that tour, tour to Dubai. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, he was there for three or four days. He got a million dollars for that. And that but that was a three or four days, mm-hmm. right? He got a million dollars. Um, that was paid for by, you know, Sheik that just they have no value or concept of what money's worth. This is in the US. And it's, you know, in, in wherever Pippin's living these days. And But 333000 I mean, I'm just like, man, like that's that's crazy. That's crazy, crazy money. And, and what do you do? Like, it's got to be awkward for the whole day. Like, I mean, what are you going like, to do with them? Like, seriously. What are you going to do with them? Yeah, after, after like an hour of him telling you how, how he's better than Jordan yeah. and Jordan sucked. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And back, spa- back spasms are worse. Yeah, back spasms are worse than the flu. Beginning <laughs> of the day, it would be Michael was my favorite teammate of all time. By lunchtime, he'll be the most overrated superstar in the history of all time. He mm. goes so up and down in his stuff. But it, oh, he is. He look, is. like I've heard a story about MJ that somebody told me it again. I think it's pretty much true. I, I would definitely believe it. Some like Japanese, some Japanese like um, 
some Japanese investor was opening up like a golf course and they wanted to like have Michael come in for like two days for the year, just sign autographs, fly in private, come back, offer him seven figures, could have been eight figures. I forgot what it was. And he said no to it. Like it's like you said, I just sort of, it triggered when you talked to me about the Kobe thing, a million dollars to go, you know, to, um, but Dubai, but, $333,000. And plus your – I wonder du- if any of, our, any of our listeners will, will want, want to do that tour on and, that day. And you're doubling, <laughs> his, you're doubling his book sales by just showing up. It's un- <laughs> it's unbelievable, folks. Like, like, no, I'm sorry. No. Really? I know he was struggling at one point financially. I don't think he's anymore because he's the NBA ambassador now and I think he, he's, he's yeah. got to be at least comfortable where he can live a decent life. I don't think he's loaded. Um, but, yeah, 333 would not do that um, any day of the week. No way. No way whatsoever. But uh, interesting one. I thought people would get a kick out of All right, Dabble, social media, that's where they meet. On Dabble, you can follow your friends and mates, talk to the experts, trending tipsters. Don't be like me and copy the bet that I made today because I had Brooklyn in a multi stupidly thinking that, you know, they should, be, they should be in Indiana. I'm pretty confident at home against Indiana and end up losing by nine. So don't put Brooklyn in your bets. Um, but you can get alert when all your mates and expert tipsters place bets. Most importantly, you can follow me. I did have a big win at the start of the season. I'm trying to get another one for everyone out there. So go down to the app, dabble, dabble socially, gamble responsibly. All right, NBL Australia Pro, the Bullets, who were winless when we spoke last week. They found their medicine and it was playing the Illawarra Hawks in back-to-back games and beating the shit out of them. So they thumped them and they're off the mark. They've got two wins now, so good to see Aaron Baines and squad getting a win. The Illawarra Hawks are in some trouble. They're not looking too good. The Adelaide 36ers, who came back from the US after that, that, that trip of beating the Suns and a lot of hype and fanfare, they got absolutely smacked at home by the New Zealand Breakers. Credit to New Zealand. They came in and just beat them up. A uh, little bit of... Uh, Hearing some word out of Adelaide that the their, their trio of three imports, um, there could be one in that trio that uh, not many are getting along with in that squad pro. So there's a bit of a, you know, uh, the love boat isn't as lovey as it once was. I think there's some issues there. Um, most people that watch their games can figure out what I'm talking about, body language, up and down. When playing well, one of the best in the league. When playing bad, it's like the, the sky's falling down. So... They're going to have to get that cleaned up, but I've heard there are some rumblings. There are some some tensions in that camp right now, so that'll be interesting to watch. The Perth Wildcats have dropped a close one at home to Southeast Melbourne, so Southeast Melbourne have kind of been the bogey team for the Wildcats. They famously knocked them out of their however-long playoff streak they had uh, last season and finally knocked them out of the playoffs for the first time in 20, 30 years, whatever it is. I don't know the number. But uh, that was a good game. Double OT thriller in Illawarra. Um, Melbourne United ended up winning. Melbourne United made big changes to their lineup. They benched their star import, who was the same import who anointed himself the best import in the NBL in the preseason. He ended up being benched, came off and played very well. They ended up getting that win. They could, that game could have went either way. And last night, I was lucky enough to be at the Sydney Kings game versus the Cairns Taipans. Uh, fantastic game, pro. Absolute thriller. I uh, went right down to the wire, back and forth, runs. It was it was just a great, great product to be at live. About 10,000-odd people there, 9,000-odd people, loud. Um, and it was a, a buzzer beater to win it, pro. So Cairns beat the Sydney Kings a couple of weeks ago on, a, on, on Sydney's home floor. Again, this was the second game on Sydney's home floor again. And there's a player by the name of Kawat Noy, pro, who uh, was with the Cairns Taipans for two odd years. Seemed like they almost gave up on him in his second year. He had some injuries and 
they just kind of like, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're going to get, we're done with you, move on kind of thing. We picked him up because we realized look, this, this guy's a really good player, had some body issues. We think we can fix that. We back our medical team. Could not write this any better pro. So he hits the buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. Um, baseline play, 0.9 seconds. He's weak side corner. He flashes up to the weak side, 45. His defender has his back to the, the ball and the ball goes straight by his head, right into his arms for a for a you know, 45 degree angle three point shot on the buzzer against his former team and it was his birthday pro. So is that a Hollywood movie or what? You yeah. gotta, and just for that that moment, you just gotta love sport. Like Kawhi's kind of a soft spoken guy, um, really, really nice guy, but not not a not a heavily talkative guy. And to see him do this on his birthday against his own team, like you just gotta love sport in these moments, man. It was it was a sensational thing to be a part of. It's pretty amazing, Bogues. Like that's like a triple lending perfect storm. You know, type deal, man. That's that's pretty big time. That's pretty. Yeah, that's it pretty is. It was, it was a fantastic win, and and for those of you who are NBL fans, you would have watched the game. If you're not, I urge you to watch that game. If if you live in Australia, you can probably pull it up on KO and watch a replay. If you like your basketball and and you not yet an NBA fan, you're only NBL fan. Sorry, you follow this mainly for the NBA talk. I urge you to watch that game because that's that's kind of what we should celebrate about the NBL. It was it was a great great. Great um, game and, and good win for the Sydney Kings. So that keeps Sydney at the top of the table, New Zealand second, and the rest is all pretty close from there with some more games going live in the next couple of hours after we're done recording this. All right, useful or useless pro? There's two teams in the top 10 pro in both defense and offense to this point. Who are they? One west, one east. Okay. Um, Boston? No. Nope. Oh. Cleveland in the, in the east? Okay. And west? Who's your west pick? I don't know. Uh, Golden State. Golden State. Their defense is be horrible. I'm just joking. They're like bottom. They're bottom sixty. No, it's the Phoenix Suns. Our guy Lawndale. Yep. Um, by Phoenix the way, Suns. So that's. By the yep. way, can he fucking call me back? I mean, so, oh, you guys were texting. You said I thought you said I saw the group I'm chat. Still, you guys are setting up a I'm, call this week, right? I'm, no, I'm still waiting for a call back. So here's what I'm gonna do while we're um, while we're on the air. I am actually picking up. Lawndale and fantasy. And I want to know who calls me back first. The real Jock Lawndale or the virtual Jock Lawndale? My fucking money's <laughs> on the virtual fucking Jock Lawndale. I just picked him up. Three, two, one. Send. And I'm expecting a call by the virtual fucking Lawndale before I get one from fucking the real one. But hey, he's, he's a busy play. man. He's newly engaged. He's he's practicing his arts uh, at home. Maybe making some babies. Who knows? You know. So he's probably very very busy. It, it's unbelievable. I mean, the you know the the <laughs> back and forth that that he does with his teammates on social media is fucking. It's pretty spectacular. I got you know, he's come a long way from me cutting him first cut of the out of the. Uh, Australian national team to fucking, <laughs> fucking his name up. Yeah, to fucking his name up to probably like second, you know, fucking backup, you know, for a, a he's very, playing very well. He's playing, playing very, very well. well. Yeah. Three ball, he's, he's struggling percentage wise a little bit with a three ball, but what I like is he's shooting him. Um, he, he was over four last game, I think, uh, well, the game before, but I think he's in the 20s at the moment, but I, I still take, he's a great shooter and can, can get hot. So I like the fact that he's not. He's not backing down and saying, "Oh man, I'm 20. percent I better better not shoot as many as he, uh, of these as I have been." He's still letting them fly, so um, playing very well. But yeah, the Cavs and the Suns. Interesting to only have two teams in the top ten in both of those. Um, but uh, useful, useless. 
uh, useless because it's only like six games into the season. But that, but you know, pretty interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's useless. I think it's useless because too early. Most of these are useless because they're too early. But let's uh, let's try to push on and see. All right, the best and worst lineups this season thus far, pro. So the, your best line. This is obviously there's obviously some games that have probably been played by the time you listen to this. So the, the numbers have probably changed for all the listeners. But the best lineup as of a game ago was New Orleans pro. CJ, Herb, Ingram, Zion, and JV, Valentunas, plus 30 in 30 minutes. Hmm. It's that exact lineup. So there's that. The worst, take a guess who's the worst, pro. The worst lineup. Um, Lakers? It's, it's actually a starting five. No, it's Brooklyn. Huh. Kyrie, Simmons, O'Neal, KD, Claxton. Never would have picked that, but uh, minus 35 and 49 minutes. So this is from, from a couple of games ago, but uh, yeah, I mean- Useful, useless, or too early. I think it's too early as well. So I'm going to go with useless and beat you to it, but I think it's still too early. But it, it, it is always interesting to see what lineups fit where. Oh, for sure. You got useless? I got useless, yeah. Just, just too early. Just too early. But cool. Hey, folks, what's your, what's your thought on plus minus? Big fan, not a fan? You know. Only on – I like it on in, in bulk, I think it's useful. Mm-hmm. Um. In, I've said this numerous times. In, in, in small sample sizes, it can be heavily manipulated one way or the other. So, like we had, um, do you remember John Brockman? Of course. So he he was he was a workhorse, like six five center. Yeah, <laughs> just Brockman. Yeah. Big, yeah, big, big barrel chested. We had him in Milwaukee one year. We got him from Sacramento, and his plus minus in sack was like bonkers, right? But then when you looked at his plus minus, he was. 11, 12, 13 guy, and he would get in when they were either up 30 or down 30 and just beat the fuck out of people. And, and guys are just kind of like, dude, there's four minutes left, like chill out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but when he, he, that's how he played. He played hard as hell. And it's not knocking him. I'm just saying, so he's plus minus in that, when you, when you look at it that way, was highly manipulated to be high, you know, higher than it should be because he's playing. And then, then you got the flip side, like if you put in guys, uh, let's say the Warriors, you put in guys just to finish a game and they kind of coast through it and then they a, 20, a 35 point lead goes to 20, their plus minus looks awful. So small sample size like that, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Over the course of 10, 15, 20 games with your, your, your bulk minute guys, you can kind of start to see a little bit of a pattern that can be useful, um, I think. And, and look, I mean, lineup plus minus on bulk can be very useful to, to see. Look, coaches might think, like I said earlier, does this, the Clippers thing, does this big fit in with this lineup? Does Maybe I should go smaller. You know, that can probably kind of help you get more towards a decision if you've got some concrete evidence there with plus minus. But um, I'm not 100% sold with it, but I think it has a use. But I'm also not a coach that's going to be like making my subs based on plus minus. Yeah, I don't, and I don't like, like I'll, I'll listen to some podcasts or radio shows and like uh, I listen to Scal and uh, Frank Isola a lot on, on Sirius. And they like, and I like Isolo. He does a great job. He's a funny bastard. And he, and he knows a lot. But it'll be like, yeah, he was a minus nine last night. He's a plus 20 last night. I don't really like to go on that like you like shorts. Um, you know, you know, just not enough. That's not enough. Like on a one game basis, the, the small sample size, I just don't, I don't see it. I'm not a big fan. 
But yeah, like, a lot of people aren't. Yeah, a lot of people aren't. I mean, for that very reason. And there's so much different analytics now that it gets so much more in depth. So the real analytics nerds hate plus minus because they say it's just too basic and you got to get more into depth and all that kind of stuff. So I think it has its place to look at it as just another stat sure. um, as part of your analytics repertoire. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, oh, we can't play you because your plus minus is bad. It's like, well, there's there's other circumstances. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. all right, Demar Derozan has hit twenty thousand points pro um, career points, which is pretty impressive considering. He's not a you know a knockdown or not known as a knockdown three point shooter. Gets mm-hmm. a lot of his buckets the, the old school way with long twos and fadeaways. Mm-hmm. But twenty thousand points, I don't think we talk about how good of a player he is. Enough, useful, useless. Uh, useful. I think that, I think he's a hell of a player. I think he does get some. Sometimes he gets sort of underlooked, undervalued for sure because of the fact that he plays sort of a mid range. A total mid-range game, like Kawhi and Steph, they play mid-range game, but they they spend a hell of a lot of time, obviously, past the three-point line. With him, he's all mid-range. He's very little three-point shooting, and um, to score twenty thousand points, you know, it's literally like he played in the forties without a three-point line or the sixties without a three-point line, and he's scoring all these points and like or like Kareem or something. Um, yeah, I think it's useful because he's just not. I mean, he has to really earn his points, get to the line, mid range, double teamed, fadeaways. You know, it might not be the best analytical way to play basketball, but he's he's done very well with it, and he's been a hell of a player since he's been in the league. What are your thoughts, folks? Yeah, useful, useful. Like, just uh, probably underappreciated, like you said, because he's not he's not bombing threes all the time, and um, he takes the shot that. Stat gig say is the worst shot in basketball, but it makes it a high clip, so to get 20,000 points that way. Very useful. All right, last one. This was before today's game where Philly just won and just beat Chicago, but the Sixers are playing at the slowest pace by any team in the last six seasons, bro. Useful or useless? Um, useful. Oh, well, they play the slowest pace in how long? Five years, did you say? Out of any team in the last six seasons, they're playing the slowest pace. Yeah, uh, you know, with with the sample size of the five games we've seen. Useful. Well, mm-hmm. uh, five games though. Yeah, it is five games. I think it's useful because it, yes. it, you know, and don't forget, like you go six years back, the pace has increased year on year from six years back, right? Yes. So, um, I think what's interesting about this is Daryl Morey's. Uh, yeah. Strategy and and way and style of play is all about pace. Is all about getting sh- the D'Antoni style. So, considering their last uh, one of the worst teams in the last six seasons with that, <laughs> with a GM that's heavily pro that, uh, it's two steam trains colliding eventually, right? So uh, that's why I thought it was very very interesting. I think it's useful based on that. If they didn't, if they just had a regular GM that we didn't really know too much about style of play, this that, but Moray's on record about loving that style of play, and his team's actually playing the complete. Other side, opposite of that. So that's why I think it's useful. It's interesting, you know, because, you know, James Harden made his career, you know, trading for James Harden and then playing the style that he wants to play analytically and, you know, almost making the finals and, um, you know, doing anything in his power to trade for him when he went to Philly. I'm wondering how he feels about it, like how his team's doing with the player that he wanted. Now, he didn't get a midseason this year from trade. He got him from the beginning of the year, had an offseason with him. And now, I mean, of course, we talk all the time, five games, six games, can't really make a judgment for the, for a few months. But um, it's got to be boiling a little bit. You know, they're putting up 108 points a game. 
you know, and clearly not even close to the top of the league. And Houston, they were probably one of the better scoring teams. But you got to think, like, the ball stops a lot. James Harden, he's getting older. The way they play with post him ups. on the floor. Yeah, post-ups with Embiid. Yeah, and Doc's not a huge fan of the three-point shot anyway, you know, uh, going back from his days in Boston. So, you know, it is, uh, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic that's going on in Philly. Um, it, it's, it's not yeah, interesting to see how they finish up. It's I think not they're starting to well. find their legs a little bit. Yeah. They're finding their legs a little bit. Like, they've yeah. got Matisse back in the lineup. He's starting to actually go to his bench. I mean, the first four games he was playing eight deep and you looked at even those three that were coming off the bench were playing eight minutes and seven minutes and six minutes. Like, So I think he's starting to get a bit more confidence in his bench um, and, it's, and it's worked out. Um, so continue to watch them and they should be up there in the East, but they, they've started off poorly. But they, they look like they're not Brooklyn levels of bad, but mm. – uh, yeah, they definitely showed signs. That pacing was interesting for me once I, once I saw it. But nah, uh, what no. do you have this week for us? Folks, all right. So, what, you know, again, as much as I don't like talking about them, um, but the Lakers, we'll talk about the Lakers and Brooklyn, actually. It's going to be a 1A, 1B type situation for the first, um, you know, f- uh, fact of fake news. Brooklyn Nets will finish bottom five in the East. You know, f- look, it's not Google, sorry. Brooklyn Nets will finish bottom five mm. in the East. Now, East. look, it's early. You got a lot of tanking teams that are on, you know, on on the prowl right now that they are winning a couple of games, like Charlotte, Indiana. They're both above them. You know, you got the Knicks that you know they're they're hanging in there, but we're not we're not too. We don't have a lot of faith in the Knicks. But like, you have a couple of teams that could finish. Obviously, the the Detroit and Detroit and Orlando is below them as they should be, but they will finish bottom five. Now they're one and four right now, about to be one and five. I think they're already one and five. They lost that yeah, game in Indiana. So they're one and five right now. I mean, it's only six games, but I'm just asking. Bottom five, bottom five of these. Uh, fake news. That they're not. I just, I mean, no, nah, fake news. They're not, they're not finishing bottom five. Um, it doesn't look great right now. I think they're going to, I'm not confident they're going to be great. I've, I've, I just, you, you never know, I think, but I think they'll be in the mix. Um, I th- the Ben thing they got to figure out because, you know, you've got you've got KD and Kyrie. I think that what was the number they they're averaging something like I think KD's averaging. They're both averaging in the thirties, and they're still losing games. That's a concern, man. Like both your best scorers are averaging thirty plus. So you said the Clippers, all right, Paul George and Kawhi averaging thirty plus. You'd, you'd think they'd be, you know. 80% win-loss record at least. Mm. And, and both your best players are gunning. They're giving you 60 points a night. You know that guaranteed with the shooting that you have. Joe Harris, Patty Mills, Seth Curry's coming back, mm-hmm. um, Royce O'Neal, and you still you still suck? That's that's a concern to me. That's that's a real concern. Folks, I think they'll think be... It is? What do you think it is? I don't know. I, I, the Ben Simmons thing's not great. Like he, he's, he's, defer- he's heavily deferring. He doesn't want to shoot. That's one thing. They, and I'm not blaming Ben for everything on that on that team. He's their best defender. Their defense is horrid. Like they, for for a, for a, line, for a team that has the length of KD, right, Kyrie's not a great defender, but he can be okay. Mm-hmm. Royce O'Neal is supposed to be a good defender, right? By definition, KD's long enough to disrupt shit. Um, Claxton's supposed to be a good rim protector, and Ben Simmons. How is your defense that fucking bad? You got those four guys in the lineup. 
like I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm watching them. That comes down to a bit of coaching. Like they, they, they love to switch one through five and do the lazy thing, and they don't. They do what the rest of the league's doing. They don't look engaged a lot of the times. You look at. There was, I was watching a bit of the game um, today against Indiana before we jumped on, and Richard Jefferson even mentioned they they were helping from strong side corner. <laughs> Like that's grade school shit. So what I mean by that for the listeners that aren't akin to basketball terminology is like if you drive to, let's say you're on the right-hand side of the floor and you drive down kind of the the, the lane way to go to a layup, if there's a shooter in the corner, general, every NBA team is like, we don't leave strong side corner. That means the ball is on that strong side because it's just you help, they're just going to throw it to the corner for a three. They're doing that still that we're in game eight, nine, 10. And these these are guys that aren't, these aren't rookies. <laughs> like you could have the worst defensive coach in the league and the worst defense in the league. Everyone knows don't leave strong side sh- shooter. Like period. It's it's just it's ingrained in you. Even if I get switched on a shooter by accident and he runs me into the corner, I know I'm out of this play help wise. I can't help. Like I'm just if he's strong side, I can't help. They're still doing that shit. So I think they they got they got issues there, man. I, you know Nash wasn't. The greatest of defenders. He wasn't on teams that had great defenses. Maybe that plays a part. What do you think it is? Folks, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's challenging to me to figure this team out because, all right, Seth Curry's not there, but Seth Curry doesn't make them a better defensive team. Like, he he provides shooting. Maybe that helps Ben a little bit more. I think Ben Simmons would be better, you know, sec- if this thing stays together, if they don't, like, if, if there's not trade demands and, you know, we don't go back to that by all-star break, and they just sort of figure it out. I think with Seth coming back, I think Joe Harris will be a little better. You know, he's been banged up with injuries, obviously. TJ Warren, you know, Royce O'Neal, um, Markeith Morris. But most been, of those guys that are out, yeah, yeah, most of those guys that are out, you just mentioned are scorers or shooters. Yeah. It's not like they're lacking that right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you would think, so, you would think with Ben and Claxton and, and O'Neal that they would be a better defensive team. And, you know, may, I don't know, because they're scoring a hell of a lot of points. And maybe with Seth Curry coming back, they don't have to do as much but um, because they could stretch the, the floor out. You know, he could shoot. He's a smart player. I don't know. Like, you've got all the – maybe it's just it's, it's, de- it's just doomed to fail. Maybe it's just one of those situations from the offseason with the trade demands, Kyrie's deal. I don't know. Like – you know, like remember last year we were talking and and I was for them not trading hard and just sticking the thing out. Um, I'm all for like not not making decisions today and say, look, let's back off, let's see what 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 we can do. But man, I don't I don't know. Like you got two guys, you got Kyrie averaging twenty nine point six not counting tonight. You had Durant averaging thirty three point two. You know, it's. It's amazing that you have that much firepower in two players and, and, and you're struggling this much. And you know, look, you can't throw everything on Ben. Look, Ben's mentally deficient as far as being a competitor like that. He just is. And um, I, think, I think a lot of things back that up. But I think he can get better. I think the expectation just has to be lower for him and people got to stop thinking that he's this like big-time, unbelievable talent and just let him just sort of build – equity in his game and sort of go slowly and maybe by all-star break, maybe before, a little bit before the playoffs, he's hitting the stride a little bit, at least, you know, at least playing a little bit like the, the Ben Simmons of three or four years ago. But um, I don't know, Bogues, like 
I thought Claxton was a, you know, I thought he was going to be an upgrade from DeAndre Jordan, and he's played okay. The average is like seven and five, but um, you can't really pin anything on this team. It's, it's hard to hard to say. It's defense for sure, but they've got a few defenders on the team. It's just weird that they're struggling so much at the defensive side. I think that they're going to start figuring some stuff out. They'll start winning some games. I think they'll be, get out of the the bottom five. I think they'll they'll just scrape the bottom though. I don't think they're going to be like six, seven, eight. I think you're looking at eight, nine, ten. Um, they were playing last season, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's where they're headed this year. And they're like the Lakers, man. They've got this firepower, and they just whatever they throw. Oh, they're way there. better than the Lakers, though. Without they're way question, better than the Lakers on with, paper. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm saying it name for, names wise. Yeah, name wise, and you think they've got two juggernauts that could really do it, and they they're they're putting up numbers, and they still can't do it. And I believe Brooklyn's got a championship uh, on paper. They've got a championship roster. I believe sure. they have a championship roster. Like when you look at names on paper. But it just doesn't. It doesn't fit. I don't think. I don't think Nash is the right coach for him. I, I just don't. I think they. You know, could they even respond to a more maybe disciplined style of basketball from a different head coach? Probably not. Not the not the makeup of the guys you have in that on that squad. So um, they're in some trouble. What do you got next? All right, folks. So Westbrook coming off the bench. You know, for the 18th time, they said he's going to come off the bench. The first 17, they said it, and then they never did it. He's coming off the bench. Does he come off the bench? Let's say ten games from now, he'll be he'll be still coming off the bench for the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, look, they love to use him as a scapegoat. Uh, I think Rust, you know, he deserves some criticism, but he's not the he's not the reason why they're losing. Um, take him out of that lineup. They, they, he missed a couple of, a game a couple of games ago. They still lost. Now he's off the bench. They still lost. I like it off the bench. I would like to see him there because I think it gives him frees him up to play his natural style of ball. Maybe when LeBron comes out. But I think fake news, I think he'll be back in the lineup eventually. I think the Ham's just going to try changing shit up and trying different things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to move the needle either way, but I think it'll get to a point where he'll be back in the lineup. Ten games, uh, yeah, I think he'll be back in the lineup, so I'll say fact. So he'll, he'll, he'll be back in the starting lineup? You said after ten games? Yeah. Within ten games? Yeah, like after ten games he'll be in the starting lineup. I think he will be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd say fact too. I think that, you know, look, it's I've seen this to happen a thousand times in the NBA with when a guy he's a little older, they start sort of pointing fingers and they're like, Oh, we're gonna bring him off the bench and you know, um we'll see if he's even there in ten games from now. I would think he would be. But I think it's just one of those things where they're gonna say one thing and then two games later they're gonna do something different. Um, I I think he'll be starting in ten games for sure. Um, I, I don't I don't foresee that. I don't I don't foresee him stay on the bench for very long. But then again, he's probably not going to be there you know very long either. All right, last but certainly not least, this whole thing with Kyrie Irving, folks. Do you think Kyrie Irving will be a Brooklyn Net come you know come after um, trade deadline? He will be with the well, team. A, he will not yeah, be Yeah, that's trading. a good one. Yeah, that's a good one just because of the ownership um, thing. But I think fact, I, I don't think you're, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you, why would you make that move? You might as well just roll the dice and see where it ends up. And I, I don't think you're bringing in someone for Kyrie that's going to make that much of a difference. Um, it'll be more a move, I assume, for picks. Um, so as far as, yeah, changing where they're at, 
KD is not going to want that anyway. Uh, they're not going to go into rebuild mode. Uh, I don't even know if they can. To this, I think most of their picks are gone, aren't they? Um, I think they. So. I think I think Houston could flip them if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, I think they they gave up the farm for that. So, yeah, I I, I think he will be in the roster. Fact, I don't think he's going to go anywhere pre deadline. I think he'll play this contract out and then see see what happens beyond that. Yeah, I think fact too. Um, you know, I, at, at first because I don't know where the picks go, um, so I will. I would I would have said that they they would have entered in a tank mode. Same thing with the Lakers. I would say that they'll enter in a tank mode and just care about LeBron breaking the record this year, and that's really it. But if if you know New Orleans or whoever is going to own their pick, yeah, I say that they're just gonna they're gonna grind it out and and try to you know try to win some games and not care about you know future picks or anything like that. So I say fact. I'd say he'll um, he'll be on. Oh, I would say he's going to be on the roster. By the end of the year, because they're not gonna. There's, it does them no good to, you know, to tank anyway. So I, w- I would say that. Plus, I don't know what his trade value is. Like, what can you actually get for Kyrie Irving? Like, that's what I mean. Maybe yeah. a first future first round pick and X you know, as someone else. You know, like throw it in maybe. Yeah. But it's he's you know he's going to be a free agent soon anyway. So if the team wants him, they can just wait that out. But um, yeah, I think he's still on the roster. I think they just gotta let this let this go where it goes. And if, if this roster dies, then at least they can make their moves in the off season. But um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be interesting for Brooklyn. All right, that wraps up our latest episode of the basketball series. Appreciate it, Jock. Give Pro a call. You know, he just picked you up on fantasy. You just put it in the group chat. So or, make sure you give him a buzz. Or he could be like me and JJ Redick and and like really want to call me, but don't. Like I don't really want to. Um, I don't really want to block JJ Reddick, but uh, you know it's just too long. Yeah, it's been too long, so I'm just gonna fucking stick with it. He could just stick with the strict streak just for fucking, edu- you know, just for entertainment value. He's got you in the basement, bro. He's yeah. in the basement. Yeah, He's not taking this shit anymore. Fucking asshole. All right, see you next week. Later. Let's get rogue.